Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. We're in our Love Unlimited series, and I'm really excited about it. Um, Love Unlimited is this vision of our church to love people like God loves people. Last week, Josh talked about worship and that it's not just a music preference, but that it is a heart posture towards Jesus and putting Jesus so high in our life that we would sing about it, talk about it, pray about it, be about it, live about it. And this week, I get to talk about serving and uh, what serving looks like in our lives but also the purpose that it gives us. So we're in Galatians. Galatians um, is where we're talking tonight. In this, in this letter, Paul is writing to a church who's just getting started, and they simply look like a baby giraffe trying to stand up. And like, they just don't know how to do the whole church thing yet. They're not killing it. They're not crushing it. And this is what he says to him. He says, don't get selfish on me. Hey, pay attention. Don't get selfish on me. He's saying, he's saying, we got so much to do. There's bigger and better things, and there's great purpose for what we're doing here on this planet. And he says this, this is Galatians 5, 13, 14. For you've been, given, you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, saying, don't get selfish, don't get self-centered, don't get selfish on me. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So scripture's telling us to live inside of this freedom, to love people like God loves us to love our neighbors. And what that looks like ultimately is serving people, humbling ourselves and serving people and putting them above ourselves. Why would we do this? Two reasons. One, God told us to. And two, it gives us a God-given purpose that can't be taken away in our lives. And we need that more than we think we do. And I hope to show you that tonight. And Jesus himself calls us to this greater love that, that helps us love the people around us. And John 15, 12, and 13 says, my command is this. This isn't what Parker is telling you to do. This is what Jesus is telling you to do. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. A love that's shown grace when there was not grace requ- uh, like deserved. Um, people, the, the way that Jesus healed people, loved people, went to people that no one else would go to and helped them. Love unlimited, the way God loved people, we should love people. That's where we get our vision for that. So that's where the source is. What do we do with it? What's the goal? What what do we do with that? And it's in 13, it says this, greater love knows no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So loving people like Jesus loved people looks like humbling yourselves and putting other people before yourself and helping them through things. So here's the big idea that I want you to grab onto tonight. It's this, you will experience God's given purpose when you serve others by loving people just how God and Jesus loves people, a love that would humble himself to put others first. So scripture is warning us, hey, don't just use your freedom that you've been given to just be selfish. Love people, serve people. Why would you do that? It's because you understand and you, you experience a God-given purpose. But let's talk about purpose for a second. We're often confused about purpose in life. And I'm not talking about your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, where you want to work when you grow up, uh, what college you want to go to, what sports team you want to play for. That's, that's all more than that. We're talking ground zero bedrock purpose for being alive, purpose for living. Why are you on this planet? That's what we're talking about. And Paul is warning, he's saying, don't use these freedoms just to help yourself. 
You won't find, don't, don't just look at yourself. Don't just look on the inside. You're not gonna find what you're looking for there. He's warning you, you're not gonna find what you're looking for here. You need to look out. You need to look to other people. So as a, as a selfish human being, here's what often happens in our lives. We create for ourselves, we make up our own purpose, our own reason for living. We, we deem ourselves, this is, this is what I'm alive for. Because here's where this comes from. And I know this comes from a good spot, but we've been told so much in our lives, especially my generation and definitely your generation, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. You could do whatever you want. You, you, could be, you could have any purpose or meaning. You make the world what you want to make it. But it doesn't always work out that way, does it? It doesn't always work out that way. And, and what happens in these moments, in these created purposes, it comes with a storm of insecurity because here's what all the seniors in the room are getting asked right now. What are you doing with your life? What are you going to do with your life? What are you doing with your life? What are you doing after high school? Are you going to do anything? Is it going to be important? Are you important? And you're just sitting there going, I just want to go to sleep. I don't know what you're talking about. I just want to go to bed and pull the covers over my head because I'm overwhelmed, Right? How do you answer the question, what's the purpose of your life? What is the purpose you are alive? It's tough. And so in that moment, we start creating a purpose for ourselves. We start making things up, but it's already starting in a place that's rooted in insecurity and temporary things. For example, for example, let's say you make a, okay, you decide the reason that I'm alive is to be in show choir, okay? You decide that. And you spend your entire middle school life preparing to be in show choir, and then you come to the day of the audition and you line up for the audition and you don't make the audition. Your name's not on the list. Where does your purpose go? It starts to crumble. You're like, well, maybe that's not why I'm alive. Maybe that's not the reason why I'm here. Or, okay, let's say you create the purpose for your life. You're saying the reason I'm here on this planet is to be the best professional athlete ever. I'm headed to the NBA, baby. Heading to the NFL, baby. Okay, so, but what happens, what happens when you get injured and you can't play? Or what happens when you didn't make the team? Or what happens when you made the team, but you just sat at the bench and it wasn't what you thought it would be? Your purpose starts to erode. You wonder, why am I even here? This, I thought this was the reason I was here. I created this purpose for myself and it's not coming true. Or let's say you created the reason you're alive. The, the reason I'm here is to be a straight A student. But then you get the ACT scores back and you think, this isn't good, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or AP history just kicked your butt. And so that's not in the cards for you anymore. And you think, well, what's my purpose then? What am I here for? What does that look like? And so I want to tell you tonight that you have a purpose that's given to you in life by God that cannot be taken away. That you, you will forever have a purpose to be alive on this planet. And it comes from serving people. And it comes from loving people like Jesus loved people. And I want to tell you a story tonight. Uh, I mentored a kid when I was in college. And the, this, this kid just struggled with depression. He struggled with it his entire life. He couldn't remember a time where he didn't struggle with it. And as a disclaimer to tell this story, I said this on Sunday too, because uh, I think it's important. Um, as a disclaimer of this story, um, mental health is a very real struggle for people. And praise God that it's losing its stigma and more and more resources are available to us now. Um, it would be a lie to say that mental health is a simple fix. It's not. That's not the point of this story. That's not the point of this story. 
And so this student was talking to me one day about how he had struggled with um, the thoughts of suicide and taking his life in high school. And he had these thoughts that, that kept coming up in his life still. So, so what was happening when he was telling me about this, he's, he was telling me how all he ever wanted to do in life was be a video game programmer. Like that's all he wanted to do was just program video games. And, but the closer he got to being an adult, it just wasn't in the cards for him. It wasn't working out. He didn't get his opportunity. And he was struggling with these thoughts. And then he, he tells me, he says, I think I'm just going to work at a kid's camp and uh, I'm just gonna make that the priority of my life. I'm gonna go help at a kid's camp. And I was so interested how he got from A to B on that one, how he got from the first thought to the second thought. I said, tell me more about that. And he starts to process it. And he looks at me, and I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. This is something he taught me, and I don't think he meant to teach me, but I learned from him, you know what I mean? And he said this, he said, I guess I just figured if I don't want my life, I might as well give it to someone who needs it. Like there's a, there's a lot of people who need help in life and, and they never get help. So I figured if I don't want my life, I might as well give it to someone else to help them. And then he kind of looks off in the distance and he goes, yeah, I think I'm just gonna help people. And here's what happens. This 18 year old kid understands this astoundingly biblical truth that you have purpose even when everything else is wiped away in your life. All your hopes, all your dreams are off the table. You still have a reason to be. You still have a purpose and it's God-given and it won't, it won't be taken away or it won't end in any situation. And I, I was thinking about not adding this, but I saw this even in the news last night. I, I was scrolling on my phone before I fell asleep and I saw this headline. This is what the headline was. Michael Phelps opens up about depression, says he thought about killing himself after the Olympics. It was a CBS News story. It was posted on April 17th, 2018 at 6.25 by Christina Tide Pods. I don't know. I don't know, how to, I, I don't know how to say her name. But listen, he, this is the most decorated Olympian of all time. He has 28 medals, 23 of them gold. He is by far the most successful athlete in terms of medals that has ever walked this planet. This was the opening line of the interview with him. There was one point I didn't want to be alive. That was the opening line of this interview. And you think, but man, this guy had it all. And he goes on to say this, you know, as Olympians, you set four years to build up this moment. How many of you feel like you've spent four years to try to build up to a moment and now you're graduating, right? And then after it's over, you're kind of lost in a way, he explains. You don't really know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know who to talk to. And a lot of us suffer from that depression. He's talking about Olympians. He goes on and he says, I think it's something that nobody really talks about in the past because we're supposed to be this big, macho, strong person that has no weaknesses. That's what you probably assume about your life is that you need to act like you have it all together. He says this, you know, we're supposed to be perfect. And for me, I carried it for, a lo for so long, I never really talked about it. And part of it was probably just fear of rejection. Do you, do you make decisions on your life right now based on the fear of rejection? And the story goes on and he says, he, he now, he's now toured the country speaking out about mental health and the struggles and hopes that those experiences might save someone somewhere going through something similar. And he said this, this is the reason why I told you this tonight. He says, for me to be able to go through that and if I can save one life, two life, 
100 lives. It says, that's way better than winning a gold medal. So here is the most successful, accomplished athlete on the planet in his, in his sport. He has it all. He has more medals than he can count. But yet the purpose he set up for his life was still fragile enough that it ended. It could still be taken away. Hey, boys who are talking and making noise and stuff right there, can you just knock it off? Just stop. Cool? I'm gonna call you up to a higher maturity that the rest of this room is in right now. Is that cool? Can you shake your head? Yeah? Sweet. Cool. Thank you. So here's this man, the most accomplished, most accomplished athlete on the planet. He still has this fragile purpose that could be taken away from him. But where does he find purpose? What does he say is better than winning those medals? Serving people. Going and helping people. So tonight, here's what I want to suggest to you. Jesus offers you a purpose that can't be taken away no matter what, and it's loving people like he loved people. It's serving people. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to mentally start loosening the grip on all the temporary things in your life to just start loosening the grip on that, to start loosening the death grip you have on your sports, to start loosening the depth, death grip you have on your auditions, to start loosening the death grip you have on your grades. Just enough, I'm not saying get rid of them, that they're not important, but to let go of those enough to where you can start hanging on to who Jesus is calling you to be and who Jesus is and who he wants you to be and what he wants you to do, what he's calling you to be. Because here's the cool thing that happens when you do that. When you let go and you grab onto that, you can start rebuilding your identity. Because at ground zero, on the foundation, on the floor that your life is built on, you understand the purpose for me being on this planet is to love people like Jesus loved people. And then whatever gets stacked on top of that, bring it on. What school you go to, it's okay, it doesn't, it doesn't really define my purpose because I know my purpose is to love people like Jesus loved people. And then you decide what job you're gonna do. You can stack that on top of there and you're on this sturdy foundation of it's okay. I know my purpose here is to love people like Jesus loved people. Who you're gonna marry, what, what your, the rest of your life looks like, it's okay, it's okay. I know my, my life's purpose here is to love people like Jesus loved people and that can't be taken away. So any of these decisions I make growing up it's all based on something very, very strong. Does that make sense? And so tonight, I think the next thing that I naturally wanna to talk to you about is how to rebuild that foundation, how to rebuild the right purpose that you can build and make these decisions about your life, what your hobbies are, what sports you're playing, whatever that is, whatever that looks like to you, whatever extracurricular activity you want, you're built on this solid foundation of, but that's not my purpose, this is my purpose. You understand? And so when that block gets taken off the pile, you're not wrecked. It's not a complete collapse. So here's how you rebuild it. It's looking at Jesus. So you might have this question by now, you, we're, we're talking about, okay, so love people like Jesus love people. People refers to everyone, I'm part of everyone. So how did Jesus serve me? How did Jesus love me? You might be asking that question tonight, and that's a really good question. And it starts with him saying this. This is his purpose. Mark 10, 45, he says this, this is the words of Jesus. For even the Son of Man, saying the Savior of the world, did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. So I'm gonna conclude my time tonight, 
and this talk that I'm having with you, this discussion I'm having with you with two points. And it comes out of this verse. So the first one is, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And I think when we start talking about serving, we often get it very confused with the fact that we have to do a bunch of work to earn God's love or to earn Jesus's love back or to, or to earn our way back into heaven, that we have to do enough churchy things, that we have to do enough religious things, that we have to do these set rules so we can earn our way back. But that's not what that scripture is saying, is it? He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Because here's the truth. You can try to pretend to put it all back together to try to get God's attention and win back his attention by how many good things you do and how, many, how, how much of a good person you are. But here's the truth about that. That's not possible. You alone, by yourself, cannot reach back to God because you've made your choice. And that choice was sin and all have fallen short, including me, of the glory of God. And now we've put this distance between us and God. He's not the one that changed. We were the ones that changed. Understand that. So here's how Jesus came to serve you. He came to die in your place. This is, this is how I'd put it. This is a stupid, silly example, but maybe this will help you see it a little bit. Let's say, let's say you made the really stupid choice to go to a restaurant and to get a little reckless and crazy at a restaurant that if you did not pay the bill at the end, you go straight to jail, straight to jail for life. And you're at this restaurant, you're having a good time and you kind of forget about everything and you start, just keep ordering. You're just ordering, ordering, ordering. Dessert, yes, please. Appetizers, yes, please. And you keep ordering and ordering and then you realize this moment when you pull out your wallet that you don't have any money on you. You don't have any money on you. And it starts to sink in that you're not going to be able to get out of this one. That you're not able to pay your way out of this one. And it's as if someone, possibly even a stranger at the time, comes up to you and says, tell you what, I'm willing to pay the bill for you so you can go free. Do you accept that offer? I know it's silly. I know it's a silly example, but that illustrates what Jesus did for you on the cross is he paid your bill because your sin had a price on it and Jesus walked in and said, I'll pay it. And that's how he served you. That's how he, he, he says he, he gave his life a ransom for many. He, he came not to be served, but to serve you, to give his life a ransom for yours. And so now you get a walk in that freedom. And I gotta tell you, scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was still a sinner in my life, while Parker was still a sinner, Christ died for me. And that's true of you too. And it's easy to believe this lie that we've got to get our life fixed, that we've got to get perfect, that we've got to get right before we approach Jesus. And that's absolutely wrong. If you're thinking that tonight, that you got to be better before you step into faith with Jesus and a life-changing grace of Jesus, you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. And that's a lie that's keeping you from from the relationship that you could have with him. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died. And when he gave his life on the cross, he had you in mind. He came to give his life a ransom for many. And in that moment, he set you free. Just like in the restaurant, you were free to go. And just like in this life, you're free to go. 
But circling back to our scripture at the beginning, it says, don't use this freedom for selfishness. You got set free, but don't use this freedom for selfishness. You won't find what you're looking for there. Use this freedom to go serve other people. And you will find, even when everything else is taken away in your life, that you still have a purpose, a God-given purpose. So here's my challenge for you tonight. Here's, here's what I'm asking. Here's what I'm suggesting with this message. That you begin to start letting go of the death grip that you have on the temporary purposes that you've created for your life, whatever that looks like, whether it's, whether it's school, whether it's um, a sport or a, a certain audition or whatever it is, it's temporary, okay? That's not your entire purpose. That's not your purpose that can't be taken away. I'm saying loosen the grip on that and grab onto the purpose that God has given you because that can never be taken away. And then at that point, you can start rebuilding your life because you have this foundation of, okay, my purpose on this planet is to love people like Jesus loved people. And then you can start making those decisions and you can have that freedom to live your life. But you've already humbled your heart enough to understand that no matter what you do, no matter what school you go to, no matter what college you go to, no matter what job you get, no matter what your family looks like in the future, your purpose on this planet is to love people and serve people. And that's the core, core mission of Third City Christian Church and then inherently, element is that we would worship with a true heart of worship that puts Jesus high above the rest, above the rest of the things that we put in our life, but also that we would serve, that we would lay down our lives for our friends and that we would love people like Jesus loves people. And there's times in life, there's times in life where everything gets taken away. It's true. It happens. And there's some people in here who have never had that experience but there's some people in here who have experienced that way too much. I know that's for sure. But here's what I want you to understand, is that your purpose can never be taken away. And in that purpose, you can find your identity. You can find who you are, and you will never lose who you are if you step into that purpose that God has given you. I want you to look in this, in this Light Project video tonight for this story that things can be taken away from you but your identity can remain because your purpose is found in Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. Hi, my name is Grace. I grew up going to church, you know, it was an every Sunday event. We, um, we never missed a Sunday that I can remember. Um, I was the youngest out of three girls, and so I was definitely the baby until um, I was about six, and my parents um, brought my two brothers from Haiti home. So I went from being the youngest to the middle child. So that was a big change, and that was a rough adjustment for sure. And um, not long after that, so it had to be, it was less than a year after that, my um, sister, who was two years older than me, um, she got diagnosed with cancer. And so um, we started going through that long process of, um, you know, my mom wasn't home anymore and my dad had to work. And so we constantly had people coming to our house and watching us, waking us up for school. Um, we went to Omaha probably about every weekend to go to Children's, and so Omaha became a second home, and um, that became my life. 
and I didn't see what was weird about it or um, you know people would ask it wasn't at, people never asked how I was doing it was always how's your sister and you know it was um it was it, it became my life I didn't know any different and I didn't really remember much what my sister was like before and so um it was it was a rough go but you know through that I met my best friend through elementary um she was the same age as me um she also had cancer, and we met her through um, her mom. We did our Make-A-Wish trip, and so we became really close with them. And so I always felt short, and I also became a people pleaser through that. So I would always try to cheer people up. I was uh, the person there that was goofing around, doing something ridiculous to put a smile on my sister's face because she was always a, uh, always apologizing to us. We get a call that my um, really good friend, my my best friend, was uh, life flighted to um, the med center in Omaha. And actually, my aunt was one of the flight nurses, and she said she showed up laughing and giggling, and this was nothing new. I didn't think anything of it because it always happened, um, especially to my sister. She was life flighted a lot, and um, or had ambulance rides, and. Um, we show up at the hospital, and I was in there, and of course I prayed, you know. I uh, I was like, you know, I was like, she's gonna be okay, I prayed. And I took one look at her dad, and he shook his head no. And I, I remembered, I, I, I looked at him, and I said, no, I prayed, she's gonna be okay. And in my eyes, that was the first time that, that God let me down. And it was, it was a rough, it was a rough day. I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't look at her very much because I didn't want to cry in front of her. So, um, but, uh, what happened, and she, um, she passed away a few days later. And so we had to go back to war, go to the funeral, and that's, that was the part, the point where I started to derail from that because that was a huge letdown. He, he took away my best friend. At least that's what I thought. And um, that, was a, that was a rough time. But you know, you, you go through it, you're a kid, you bounce back, you, and what I do is I, I put on the back burner, I numb it out, and I keep going. I, uh, I completely ignore it, which is not a good thing to do. <laughs> and, um, Let's see, the next year, um, my sister ended up passing away. And so it was another routine, like she was getting life-lighted. I, uh, I didn't think anything of it again. We get there and all this family shows up and family never showed up. We were in the new level of the children's hospital. I've never been that level, I probably was, but I don't remember. And I, um, that's something I probably regret the most, is that I didn't talk to her more. I was out there playing with my little cousins. I was just trying to distract myself because I felt alone. I, I didn't feel like anyone was there, you know? I, um, I was kind of angry. I got at that point. I was, um, he took my best friend away from me and now he's taking my sister. The, 
sweetest, most faithful person I've ever known. She was, she was a prayer warrior. She probably brought, brought so many people to Christ and prayed and people who weren't Christians that would go to her to pray for them because they knew she was such a, a great person. The hope I'm finding now is that I don't need to be like a people pleaser. Like I don't need to please everyone. Like I don't, um, I'm not obligated to um, be my mom's rock. And she really showed me that actually. She was the one who kind of showed me that. And um, I came to a point where this year, um, I just don't care what people think anymore. I used to care a lot and um, I was afraid of losing people because I, I, um, I lost my friend and my sister and so losing people because I felt like showing the true me um, would leave me alone without anybody. And it's quite the opposite because the moment I found my hope in Christ, I realized that with Him, why, do, why should I care? Because I'm the way I am for a reason. And there's a reason for that. And so why not shine the light of who Christ made me be to everyone else to show them that even though all the trials that you've gone through, it doesn't mean that you're stuck or broken. It means that you've powered through that and you're so much stronger. And there's that hope that you'll be able to see him someday. Because, you know, he's the one who did that for us. I would encourage them to not, to not feel ashamed of who they are because Christ made them that way for a reason. There's a reason he made you that way and you need to utilize who you are because who you are is how you're gonna reach out to people who I won't be able to reach out to, um, you'll be able to reach out to. And so he puts us in different situations and he creates us how we are because he has a purpose for that. And if you try to mask it or you try to be like everyone else, how are you going to stand out and show the love and the joy and the hope that Christ gives you? One of the coolest things about that Michael Phelps story, Josh and I were talking backstage, is that um, I don't know where that dude is with the Lord or, or what his perception of God is, but all of humanity is made in God's image. And that includes Michael Phelps. And, and something happened in his life to where he understood his fragile purpose could be replaced by a, a, a God-given purpose. He discovered it, maybe he doesn't know it's God-given but that serving other people and giving them hope is way greater and way more worth a life than winning gold medals. And so I'm praying for that for you tonight, that you don't spend as much time on fragile purposes that, that won't satisfy, but that you begin now to step into that God-given purpose and so that you, ever, you don't ever have to necessarily go through that heart of a crash <laughs> to get back to ground zero, you know what I mean? Because here's the deal, I, I, and I say this because I learned it from that kid in college. This is what I learned. I learned that if you think your life, if you're here tonight and you think your life doesn't have purpose or you don't have value 
or there's no reason you're here on this planet. I'm so passionate about this. If you think that's true about you, go help someone who has less than you. Go help someone who has less than you. And I'm not talking just throwing them a buck. I'm saying, help them. Help them. And then look into their eyes as they look into yours, as if to say, I cannot believe a person like you helped a person like me. And then you come back to me and you tell me that your life has no purpose or no value or no meaning. Because we were created to love people like Jesus loved people, to serve people like Jesus served people. And that love looks like endless grace. It looks like approaching people that nobody else is coming to, to help. It looks like time and time again, forgiving and forgiving and moving towards people who are broken. That's what that love looks like. So here's my challenge to you this week. And maybe someone in your small group tonight, have them hold you accountable to this. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to think of one person in your world that you see every week that you know needs help. Some sort of help. Think of them. Got it? Go help them this week. Go do something. And here's how to not make it awkward. Here's your golden phrase. Here's your, here's your secret weapon, okay? It's this phrase right here. How can I help? How can I help? Because we, we think like we have to be God and know everything that God knows in order to help people in this world. And that's not necessarily true. We're called to love people like Jesus loved people and love our neighbors as ourselves, right? How can I help? Approach someone this week and say, how can I help? Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us a purpose that spans beyond time and situations and and endings and beginnings, but that we have a purpose and a reason on this planet, and that's to love people like Jesus loved people. And if there's a heart in here tonight that doesn't know how Jesus loved them, I pray that you would speak to their soul right now and show them that Jesus, what he did for them on the cross, when he laid his life down, he had them in mind. And then when he picked his life back up through the Holy Spirit's power, that he did so to prove to prove that he has the authority to save. Speak that to the hearts tonight and to the prideful hearts that don't wanna help people, I pray that you melt that pride and break that pride. And to the humble hearts that are ready to help people, your spirit move them towards people. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.